Okay, ready, set, go. Mmm. 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 Done. Ah, motherfucker. Damn, this is bad. That's not good. This is better than the one that I had this morning, though. Jesus. This, uh... Yeah, good, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to, uh, Infinity License. Uh... Struggle <laughs> less, accomplish more. Um, unofficially it's brought to you by the good people at True Brain. True Brain is a nootropic drug that, um... Brian was promoted on social media. I'm a sucker for any kind of targeted ad media, so all those people who are really... He just feels honored whenever anyone knows of his name. Me. And so when this futuristic uh, maker of sugar... <laughs> just like, hey, what if we repackage sugar pills as a liquid that'll help your brain out? <laughs> it's basically liquefied a placebo and added more well, sugar. Well, I have these pill. things. I'm going to take. I'm going to take, be taking True Brain all week, and so if by next week I I display some kind of like galactic brain knowledge on uh, <laughs> on how to the like, picture on the front of this cardboard thing is a galaxy. I know it's because it's making all the galactic connections in my brain right now. So we just um, raced. Uh, this is actually called a Zelo Pack. I think is the proprietary name for this like cardboard package that this uh, sugar water came in. And we just raced. I won that race, and uh, now I'll let you know, or maybe you'll you'll know if uh, my mental acuity improves at all. So look out for that throughout the the if Lenny. Um, uh, I started like saying stuff about the Sicily's triangles and right angles. Like, yeah, yeah. Like the t- scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I if, once this takes effect, I'll be able to pull up those Wizard of Oz references really fast. Yeah. Uh, um, or if you if you just yeah all of a sudden can do like you're you're kind of just start seeing like the um uh what's it called in like D- Dustin Hoffman and uh, oh, Rain, Rain, Rain Man, Man. Yeah. like you just start yeah. seeing like the, the numbers and like the yeah. like, get aligned in your brain. But it's kicking in. I'm now counting cards for a game I can't see. <laughs> it's taking place in Atlantic City. You're just like I just know the rhythm of the multi deck uh, Atlantic City. It's all about the multi deck. We're, we're, <laughs> we're just we're just. Pilgrims in the multi deck, <laughs> aren't we all? Um, yeah, so I don't know. Like, I guess that we could talk about related to nootropics and neuropeptides and our good friends at True Brain, official unofficial sponsors of this episode. Um, People are going to think that's actually the sponsor. Like, they paid. Hey, good. you know what? Go on some more. If, if I get a cease and desist letter from True Brain, I, that'll be a victory in my. Why would you get a cease and desist? It works. It works. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's not, we didn't just totally trash their product before we had it. <laughs> but we, we had it. Um, but yeah, so I tried this stuff out. We'll see how it works out. Um, I am a sucker for like So, like, I am a sucker for, like, I think this is the natural extension. Like, these neuropeptides and neotropics are the extension of, like, American obsession with self-improvement. Like, I think it's, like, you know, like, like the one of the... I think it was Christopher Hitchens that said this, but there's, like, if if you're in America, you'll see that, like, the self-help section of a a, um, a bookstore is just monsters. It's like, takes up half the store. Whereas if you're in England, like I, and I don't know if it's Christopher Richards that said, that said this, but if you're, if you're in England, there's just like, just living with depression. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this so, is you get used to yeah, it. Just like, just, uh, just like, uh, so I think there's like these, these products that are like, we'll make your brain super smart and like, we'll figure out ways to make you more efficiently maximize your workflow and all that stuff. is just like, you know, I'm fine with that. I think, yeah, it's, it's a natural extension of, um, the sort of efficiency culture that we have. I mean, once you acknowledge that everything we do is part of, you know, a market and like, you know, we're all cogs in this system, even if it's not in a conforming way, just like, you know, I have things I want to achieve and there's processes to achieving that. And like, right. You know, the sort of McKinseyification of society is filtered down to the point that I understand that like certain inputs are going to help me achieve that easier. And so it's inevitable that they try to start marketing us ways to optimize yourself, which is what I think the branding of this yeah. true brain is. Uh, I mean, it was I was reading a, an article recently about um, you know it was revolution. It actually was in a book. It was uh, uh, it, like it was a revolution when someone decided to look at like an assembly line and with a stopwatch. Oh yeah, you know, and try to figure out how much time each one took. Oh. because you know it was I think most of productive society at the time was like craftsmen. You know, yeah, yeah. Like, 
you know, not trying to maximize anything. It was like, you know, we just... We just got to make it good. Like, yeah, you make it good, you know, put your name on it and stuff. Yeah. And then the idea of mass producing something was able to follow from the idea of making different stations discreet. And then, yeah, I mean, and so now, you know, basically we are putting a stopwatch to ourselves trying to figure out how you can cram more. What I want to see is them ending fucking sleep. Because for as much as people love sleep, I hate sleep. I wish I didn't have to do it. This is okay. So by the way, great, great launching into our first topic because I would like to talk about that. Actually, I would like to talk about sleep because I am an ultimate defender of sleep. By the way, this is welcome to Infinity License again. I boxed the intro saying that this is a podcast where two guys who have no notoriety talk about issues of the day related to politics, pop culture, and whatever you want want to talk about. It's the podcast no one asked for. The podcast nobody asked for. Infinity License. Um, I'm your host, Brian Pisano, with co-host. Leonard DeFranco. Yeah, and uh, so I have been on the sleep tip. I love sleep, and eliminating sleep is insane because sleep is such an interesting thing, and it's such a thing that's divorced from our culture, but it's such like a natural biological process, and it's crazy because this book I read, I think it was was called The – Oh, I can't remember this book now. It's like The Promise of Sleep, and I can't remember the doctor who wrote it. But it was a guy who was... Ezekiel Emanuel. It's about dying at 70 years old. (laughs) It was a doctor who is still prominent in... The long sleep. Was one of the the original doctors who was promoting sleep studies in America because until the... Like late seventies, early eighties, sleep was kind of not really focused on, and the, and people for medical reasons, there people were like, we don't, and now there's a lot more sleep centers in America because so much of our biology, biological processes rely on sleep, and that like even stuff like there's all the stuff that we're learning now about like even just the process of learning, like if you read like a full textbook page, and like you know how you, when you read like a page, sometimes you're like, oh, I read, I got most of it, but like I kind of spaced out for part of it or whatever. You're actually like. You're intaking a lot of that information still, and if you get a full, proper sleep that night, your brain is kind of, like, essentially defragging the hard drive and actually, like, figuring out stuff that you can't do in your waking state. Yeah. So it's, like, as you're awake, like, basically from when you wake up, and obviously some scientists probably, like, if, if any scientist listens to this, please turn it off right now no, <laughs> uh, and, or tweet at me and correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, but if you – so – from the moment you wake up, your brain is essentially getting polluted with neurotoxins that, like, essentially, like, it, that's why people who are up for 24 hours are essentially, like, the same as, like, a drunk person because their brain, there's, like, a toxicity in their brain that can only be removed from being in a deep state of sleep. So it's, like, so, you, like, it's crazy. It's, like, nuts. But there's, like, your brain just flushes out toxins that exist in your there, brain. But anyway, so. There, yeah. There's also uh, the concept of, like, percolation, which yeah. is, like, yeah, to, um, to base, like, in order to commit like, I forgot what the technical terms for these are, but basically short-term memory to long-term memory, which yeah. is what the act of learning basically is. Yeah. Um, your brain has to let these thoughts kind of settle and organize. And it's most interestingly applied when it's, like, creative problem-solving. I think the famous example is uh, Kukule, Kukule, like, as in um, the guy who... He was, he was a scientist, and he was trying to discover the structure, the chemical structure of benzene, mm-hmm. and he couldn't figure it out. And in a Mendeleev-style, like, epiphany, he had when he was sleeping, he dreamed it. Yeah. And he dreamed what it was. Yeah. And then basically and, – and that's cited as uh, – like, Isaac Asimov cites that in – as um, – that he cites it as an example of why creative people need actually room instead of, like, just, just deadlines. The other interesting thing about that is that I read a takedown of Infinite Jest. Really? That said that – yeah, and it was, like, this brutal takedown of it, and it was, like – all the pharmacology is wrong. Like I yeah. can't even pinpoint this probably the specific like um, pharmacopoeia or whatever that he had next to him when he was writing this because like they had it's probably from the sixties whatever. Right, right. And so and, and not only that, there's he cites a number of times throughout the text where David Foster Wallace is intentionally using really uh, like verbiage that's just unwieldy and pointless. Yeah. Um, like one example was like the the Marshall. Uh, something where it said martial and military in the same sentence to describe uh, the same thing. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's redundant. Yeah. And the other thing was, um, he's, there was an example of a t- character that had a tie on, uh-huh. and the, the character's tie was described as being in a Kukulian knot, which Kukuli, just benzene has six sides to it. Right. And so that's the reference, because it's like, you know, something yeah, yeah, hexagonal. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's, 
not something that, that like and the criticism of Infinite Jest like he just like, pulled that from yeah that's, that's yeah. so so like doesn't what does that do to paint a picture of this yeah. what does that do to make this a more vivid description it, is, it was the accusation the accusation is that it's pretentious yeah. his goal his goal I mean it, it was part and parcel of a it's parcel of an argument that I was trying to say that David Foster Wallace was a classist and was trying to just like the same way that he was sort of giving this puritanical approach to drugs to take on drugs that he was also um Sort of looking down on like you know working class things and trying, oh. and and and, yeah. and to do that wanted to make himself feel he really wanted to wow you with how much he knew yeah which is definitely something I think he achieves um, I thought that was the whole ir- irony of it though is that he was supposed to be taking down also like kind of like the the uh, academic class of people who like who did this kind of stuff who were like yeah, uh, yeah like that was I, that was my interpretation right. yeah um, well. Oh, yeah. So speaking of eliminating sleep, there is, and speaking of what I was talking about, where it's like, so there is like, there are all these things associated with sleep, apparently from what I've read, that are really interesting. But and this is, but there are the genetically, there's a portion of the population. I think it's ten percent of the population that um, that can just deal with no sleep or very little. They, they don't need the baseline seven to, yeah. to eight hours. They can just do. They can actually go on two to three. And they are actually – and I'm convinced that, like, some people – like, the, the Jeff Bezos of the world or even the Donald Trumps of the world, the people who, like, are – like, these people that have these genetics who essentially have – like, kind of what you're alluding to is, like, if they can figure out how to eliminate sleep, we'll get a third of our lives back. You know, like, we'll yeah. get a third of our waking state I think you probably back. age faster is the only downside. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I would, I would say – I mean, like, if you could, if you could afford – to buy the solution to sleep, you could also afford to do whatever like rejuvenation, blood transfusion. But I just think that so what like so you why do you hate sleep though? I'm bad at it because you're bad at sleeping. I'm I'm insomniatic some of the time. I don't like the idea of wasting time by doing that. It's funny because I waste all of my waking time too. But like, I, well, also, do you think it's like I think I used to be you. Well, I think maybe that's why I have such a strong. Opinion and then you start taking True Brain, and then I started taking True Brain. Sleep. And now I sleep twenty two hours a day <laughs> and only wake up to do this podcast once a week. <laughs> um, and, but like, because I think because I used to also do all the stuff that you're not supposed to do before you go to sleep that makes you an insomniac. So it's like I I used to and I still do. Drink a good amount, but uh, um, drinking is definitely something you're not supposed to do as much, certainly before bed. Uh, like, watching television or watching stuff on your phone is, like, a huge thing. So it's, like, now I only, like, I make sure I, like, I put my phone in another room and I turn off the TV and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like, exercising a lot and all that. Like, well, I used to not exercise and now I do, <laughs> like, moderately. Um, so it's, like, but now, so now that, like, now that I know what it's like to get a full night's sleep, like, an, like, I don't think I re- really actually had, there was, like, a two-year stretch in my life. Where I actually, I slept, but, like, I didn't get, like, a full, like, I, I was just, like, so, like, you know, doing stuff on my phone and, like, either out drinking all the time or, like, partying that I was, like, I didn't actually sleep. Like, I was not a functioning human being. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Well, so sleep, Lenny. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe you take some true brain. <laughs> um, anyway, so that, that, that was that. Um any other thoughts on nootropics or neurotropics? Uh, no, no, no. Okay, so let's go on to the. So you sent me a uh, an article earlier this week, uh, or, you, or you want to talk about? Uh, yes. So basically, the New York Times this week ran an article. It was called "In Defense of Cultural Appropriation," and it was. It's a type of article that nowadays you see every like seven months. Uh, some academic will come out with like a very considered defense of it's a defense of a cultural appropriation nominally, but what it really is just uh, like me, don't be mean to me <laughs> to the people on Twitter that are yelling at you for doing yeah. something that they think is racist. Um, it's I hate this discussion. I hate it on both sides. Uh, I think that's my first thought on it. Is like ah oh, shit, we're still talking about this. Um, I mean, you know, the the points that are made in the article, which basically states that. Uh, I mean, the the cover of it is a picture of Elvis. (laughs) This is, I don't know where this is going. Um, Because I think Elvis is a good reason why, you know, being aware to the the Elvis effect is exactly why we care about cultural appropriation. But um, the idea is basically that, you know, it would have been better if it was Eminem. (laughs) 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 Eminem and Wayne Brady are just having a picture. (laughs) 
uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like, his point was that in art and in culture, um, you know, you need to, you need to borrow, if you want to write a piece of fiction, you need to be able to write someone that's not of your background. Um, by the way, I never read all of Infinite Jest, but I think that whole Wardine section might actually say that cultural appropriation is a good thing to never do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, and it's like, fine. And then most of the article is just complaining about people being mean and stuff. I think, uh, I, here was my main thought on it. Um, everyone needs to shut up about this. Like, if you want to complain, if you want to spend your life on Twitter yelling at people because they did something that you thought was culturally insensitive, fine, go ahead and do it. I would never, if I was, like, a college dean or something, permit the conversation to get so shrill as to, like, ban yoga because it's, you know, appropriating... Uh, uh, Indian you know, culture. Yeah, and, and, and well, it's a culture that experienced uh, colonialism, colonization, so, uh, or colonialism. So, therefore, we can't you know, yeah. learn from it. Although, actually, you know what's funny? Apparently, the Narendra Modi uh, administration, which is, like, you know... Yeah, India's yeah, yeah. Like, India's prime minister, yeah. Yeah. He has, like, a super Hindu nationalist, and they tried recently to like trademark yoga essentially and make it like the way you know how in uh, the, the provenance of Chardonnay can only come from Chardonnay yeah. like uh, Bordeaux can only come from Bordeaux right right and yeah they wanted to basically get some like world trade organization or whatever designation for yoga yeah. so it's a cultural export like that right like and it's like you can't talk about a bag on that like, yeah People, yeah. What, like, what would we need? What would American yoga like rename itself to? Pilates. Pilates. That's, exactly, <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, yeah. so much hot yoga is also so much of what we think of as yoga is a Just, purely American construction. Right. It's like yoga is this sort of semi-spiritual, certainly very mindful, meditative practice that is part and parcel of. Second time I use that. Um, of it, it, I mean, it's inherently spiritual. Like it, yeah. it's the idea of like your body can like. You know, like do all this stuff, and this is a way to be like present with your breath and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And what Americans did was they heard that they stripped it of all of the, the spirituality. Yeah. yeah any yeah, any yeah. deeper meaning, and they turned it into doing hard movements. And they were like, "How can we make this physically even harder? Let's do this it's in a hundred and ten degree room. <laughs> it's like everybody's sweating out. And also do it uh, so that you're six inches away from someone else's ass. You know? Oh my god! That's the, another Meg, the only challenge. time the only time I ever did yoga was Meg took me, and I was like. I had done yoga, like, one time at the Y. So it was the second time I did it. But the first time I did it at the Y, it was, like, I was like I went to, like, beginner yoga. And they were just, like, it was just me and two other people. And they're, like, this old woman who was teaching it. And did a nice enough job and taught me all this stuff, like, pretty quietly. But then I was like, I was like, all right. Like, I feel like I've got, like, been exposed to this. So Meg takes me to, like, this one in Midtown. That I, then I get in line and immediately I'm like, this is gonna be a problem because it is the most the, uh, Manhattan's most basic bitches are in this line and, and like it was like yoga to the people or something yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was like I saw how crowded the room was gonna be and then the Meg was like oh yeah it's hot yoga too and then like I'm the only one who's like I'm the there was maybe one I wore jeans yeah, yeah. There, was, Why did you wear there was only like one or two other um guys in the class and not that uh, that made me uncomfortable. It was just that I was the biggest person. Like you know, I was I'm like a bigger guy. Like so it's like all like I was like and all of it involves me just like essentially stretching my leg out in like a position that I've never put it in, where I was like almost like <laughs> kicking these girls in the face. Uh, um, it was I got through it though. I almost, I almost passed out. Problematic. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I didn't try. Uh, oh, I tried to do huh. yoga, but actually, so in that article, the thing that interested me and was a point of like well the I, the a point of a couple things, but like. The one thing that I didn't really get, or I got it, but I don't understand what, who, uh, I think I agree with you that, like, things should end on both sides, because I don't understand who is mad at who at this point, because the one about, like, the artist who had painted the Emmett Till yeah. painting, and so I was like, like what, what basically it is, is that a white woman painted, painted a, Emmett Till. a painting of open casket Emmett Till. Right. And yeah. so, so you know, the, the famous Emmett Till photo, which is a very moving and hard, like, Horrific chapter. Yeah, the context being that his mother demanded to be on the casket, even though what the world did to my boy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I mean, it was in Jet magazine, which is a black magazine, and uh, and like, you know, targeted at African-American audience. And, uh, and, you know, she made that stand and fought and was like, no, you have to, we have to have an open casket funeral for my son. But then a, a white artist repainted it. And I guess we're like, who did so, Jet exist in the fifties? Yeah. It? it was. I think it was. Like, I, 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 I'm 90 percent sure that it was. Isn't I'm, that uh, Bob? What's his face? The guy who started B, BET, Bob Johnson's. It's possible. I don't know. 
But I, I, I think I'm ninety percent sure the picture was run and then like picked up by like life. <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think Jet was around in the fifties. We can look this up. That'd be pretty funny if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Jet as having like the first like twelve issues of Jet were just guys with super hot, super high uh, fade tops. Yeah. <laughs> it's like definitely from nine ninety two. I could be wrong, but anyway, it was, I thought. It, so anyway, the 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 painting is it, so the, so the picture we all the idea is that a white person should not should, be allowed to, to paint, paint depict yeah, that. But I was like, I was like, well, in some ways, I was like, well, obviously. Like anyone who sees that picture and is not moved by it is a like a monster. Like moved by it in a way that like wow, this is like the horrific things that human beings can do to children. Uh, not, like not even like based on race based violence, which is like insane. Um, and they can do it to adults too, and all that stuff. So it's, it's it like it's. I was like, you know, that that picture has a very special place in like the American culture, uh, cultural zeitgeist. Uh, but I was just like, well, this is a white woman who's like, I think about all the white people who did see that picture, like the painting who were like, Oh my, like, you know, is it just that like she was profiting off of like a, a thing? I like, think it's that you can't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I, th- yeah. I think it's that you're not supposed to, you're supposed to stay in your lane. You can't bring the right perspective to it unless you've experienced it or something, you know? And like, I think that's where it really gets to be pretty bullshit because the whole th- like okay so th- this is my full take because I, I, I didn't get to it yet because I was talking too much. Um, my take on this was like, if you care, if you want to spend your time doing this, fine. But if you're an artist or someone producing something creative, first of all, that's the best way to justify cultural appropriation. Show me why you're just in with your creativity. Yeah, yeah like yeah. If, if you want to show why. I, as a white guy, should be able to borrow, like, something from hip-hop culture. Right. Instead of writing an article about it, what I should do is do, like, what... Now, Paul Simon, I think, had a very exploitative relationship with the South African uh, musicians that did Graceland because he, like, didn't credit them and they, like, wrote a lot of the songs. He right, 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 right. Yeah. But, you know, that justifies cultural appropriation to some degree. Well, like, good, good artists copy, great artists steal. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And great artists <laughs> augment what other... Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so that... Album and uh, you know and the existence of like Led Zeppelin, you know, who stole from the blues shamelessly, and, uh, you know, all of these, all of these are the highest defense of cultural appropriation. Well, like English people just didn't understand cultural appropriation, like even less it didn't than exist. That. It didn't well, yeah, exist because like I, knew, I mean, you yeah. don't say that for Led Zeppelin or for like you know uh, what's his name, like uh, for Cream, like you know uh, Eric Clapton or yeah, know, Eric Clapton was was yeah. they were all they were yeah. all pitching off of it. I mean, there was yeah. at a time too when like. Race records had a different chart on Billboard, you right? Know? So like, it was it was, you know, Little Richard was not allowed. Uh, it was like indecent to put him on TV, right? And so like, yeah, that's one of the reasons why there was an opportunity for Elvis to come along. But I don't. I mean, all that stuff is fine. I, I think uh, Sasha Frere Jones had a really interesting uh, article in um, the New Yorker like a decade ago that was about um, in an era of. Uh, like, in a previous era when there was, like, no understanding of where, like, Roots music had come from. Yeah. Uh, like, these British teenagers were hearing this stuff, like, Muddy Waters. Yeah. Thinking, oh, capital, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely burn off me knickers. <laughs> <laughs> and then making this shit, and they, were, and, they, and they were cool. And they were doing a cool thing on Jeff Beck hearing blue, the blues and deciding to make it his own. It's, like, a great moment in music history, you know? And, like, we're better for it. But then he compared that to, like, you know, by the time Vanilla Ice came around, everyone already knew what real hip-hop was. Yeah. So the joke of a white rapper was already a joke. Yeah. And so that, by that point, you basically couldn't be a white rapper, even Eminem, um, and not be self-conscious about the fact that you were culture pro. And it wasn't uh, done in the context of call-out culture. It wasn't people trying to shame you for it. Right. But it was very obvious that you were, you know, kind of dabbling something that wasn't yours, and that was a joke. And for that, uh, his argument, what Sasha Fair Jones' uh, argument was, was that um, music has suffered, and uh, now you listen to, like, even good white music, like the Arcade Fire and stuff, yeah. is very white-sounding. Like, there's no yeah. groove to it, you know, there's no real yeah. propulsion. It's just mathy and, like, you know, like... Yeah, just for reference, Brian just pushed an imaginary pair of nerd glasses on his face yeah. while he said... Yeah, but it's true. I mean, like, you know, miscegenation is benefits culture, and I think that that's the best way to defend cult- against cultural appropriation. One, one last point on this. Um, I have a, a screenshot on my phone that I took the day after David Bowie died, and 
the screenshot is of Twitter's list of what was trending. And number one was David Bowie. The second thing worldwide on Twitter that was trending was David Bowie written in Japanese. And that's interesting to me in this context because David Bowie loved Japanese culture. Right. And he borrowed slash arguably stole a lot from it. Um, it wasn't but, – but they loved him for it. Like, they, like it, right. he was a beloved figure in Japan because right. he was figuring out new ways to take the culture. Yeah. And, and you know, yeah. it was interesting seeing a super – like the whitest guy ever yeah. physically. Um, you know, borrow this stuff. Yeah. I think that what's interesting about it is that I don't want to pretend like there's, I mean, for as much as I like hate liberals and stuff like that, like I do acknowledge that, the, that there are sometimes like things that could go wrong and you can have, you have a lot yeah. of blind spots with cultural appropriation. And I think yeah. that the witnessing the way that David Bowie borrowed from Japanese culture was, is very instructive. He used to hire Japanese like designers to design right. stuff that right. was, you know, was the and, was no mind. and it was, and it, was uh, it, it still gave the culture agency and it was sort of holding right. it up, not doing what Katy Perry did and just like putting on a kimono. Do I care? Like, do I think any Japanese people were like super offended at Katy Perry for doing that? No, I yeah. like, I don't yeah. think that, but, and I think it's stupid to get worked out about it. But by the same token, I think that there's like, again, I want, I think my point is I want to bring this entire conversation to the artistic level and say what has merit and what's just theft. And what, the way that David Bowie did not only works artistically, but also that's a way that makes the culture of origin feel really proud of the contribution. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think that it's 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 a tough thing. I think mean, the reason why we're all debating about it and why we just have to end call out culture and that kind of stuff, I think is because it's just taking – if you're having a conversation – and we should you know highlight certainly – because it's tough. It's tough to say like – you know, I always say, like, the thing in, like, comedy, which is the art form I'm a little bit more familiar with, it's, like, racist jokes aren't funny. Jokes about race are funny, though. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay for Chris Rock to do, like, his, like, bits, like, the classic, like, the Chris Rock bit that we all know about, which was also really funny yeah. because I'm rewatching The Office right now. The reason why The Office, like, Michael, uh, like, re- like culturally appropriating the Chris Rock joke the like you know awkward boss Michael saying that joke is like everyone the joke is that like Michael you can't you can't say that joke because you're a white managerial class like uh, yeah. like guy and like so that's like a, kind of like a couple by the way of, white man is actually short for white managerial class guy yeah, yeah white managerial class guy yeah. uh, what I what I would aspire to be one of those one day I'll just be a white well on your way I know I'm on my way um, but. You know what I mean? Like, so that's another thing where it's just like, well, so it's like he kind of, uh, like, that's another form where I'm saying like, okay, like, well, we can't just like, we can't just like sterilize our cultures and communities to the point of where we're just like, we can't talk about anything. Like, we can only meet in the, like, I, I can't talk about anything in the context of, like, because we all live together in a multicultural, especially in New York. It's like, we're all, we're all very aware of like what's going on. Certainly there, you know race issues that persist to this day in, in a bad way and, uh, but you know we we have to think of it in a way that like we can't just call out people and be like you can't you can't do this and you can't do that and like what I was talking about before and to put a button on this uh, in Inside or the Mayor of McDougal Street uh, the book that the uh, uh, Llewellyn Davis. Inside Llewellyn or Llewellyn Davis Cohen Brothers movie oh is this my dog? Oh, his dog is water bowls, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, we got. Um, is oh, you're thirsty. The in that book, the Mayor of McDougal Street, they talk about how actually the blues musicians who had moved up to New York in like the 20s and 30s had like kind of taken a, a shine to some of the younger actually like people on the folk scene who were like actually like kind of they were folk musicians and they were like respected. They're young, but they were respected to a certain extent. And like Bob Dylan and like. Uh, uh, Dave Van Ronk and a couple other people fall into this category and they would kind of work with those guys and they would be like, yeah, it's cool. If the, you can take my song. I forget which musicians did it, but they're like, yeah, you, you've earned your stripes. You can play that song. And it was before like copyright infringement and all that kind of shit went down. Um, and, uh, yeah, but like, like the, the era of like, just like suing, suing the pants off people. I mean, they did have copyright. They did, they did, but it was like a little bit more of like there was there was there was a little. It was like it was just transitioning into like the copyright and publishing rights. It's probably also harder to disseminate recordings of stuff, right? Yeah, if you're covering exactly. So yeah, anyway, so that's that. Okay, 
when my dog Cultural appropriation, do it, but do it, just do it, do it. Don't like, don't talk commit, about why you're right to do it. Commit to cultural appropriation. Now we're officially, are we, in the are we woke or are we problematic phase? Uh, we are problematically woke. We're, we're problematic. The, pro- the problematicness is the, is shifted to, like, the meter has gone full circle back to woke. Yeah. <laughs> okay. um, we should. We, you didn't know the spectrum went that far, but we just told you. <laughs> we just melted it and melted it. All right, so uh, we'll talk about the, uh, so we'll move on to the conversation we were having earlier today about uh, what what's going on in, in the wild world of uh, healthcare and healthcare reform in America in 2017? Uh, in the okay, cool. Uh, would you? Oh, let me. Um, okay, Here, here's here's a uh, theory of mine. Um, the original thought came to me because I was reading an article about. So right now, what, what the period of like healthcare debate that we're in right now is. Uh, you know, after years of, um, you know, the Republicans hating Obama for a reason, they just couldn't tell, they couldn't quite put their finger on it. Yeah, but, yeah, don't they, know, I don't know why, why, why I hate that guy so much. Well, I don't know, every time I just look at him, I just hate him, I don't know why. <laughs> and, um, not if it's in one of those black and white TVs, but if it's in color, then <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, uh, you know, they've been talking for fucking a decade about how they, um, they need to repeal uh, and replace Obamacare and that, you know, this is a socialization of medicine and leading us on the path to a European hell, which, by the way, you know how few people in America must have been to Europe for that line to work? Yeah. Like, a European hell. Like, yeah, you, yeah. met any people who work in Europe? It's, like, better life. Yeah. Anyway, um, so after uh, they finally won the election with the uh, naked pony show, <laughs> the donkey show in chief, um, uh, you know, they, they turns out they have actually absolutely no fucking clue as to how to proceed with this repeal and replace. And so they tried once, and they basically just came out with a version of Obamacare that was way shittier than an already pretty flawed bill. And uh, it didn't pass. It didn't pass from both the right and the moderate flanks of the Republican Party, which you never hear about. I mean, you yeah. always hear about getting primaried by some Tea Party nut who you know fears eclipses. Uh, you never hear about Susan Collins, you know, being like, "Wow, this is going to cut too many people's benefits." So thank God that exists. Yeah. Anyway, so the first time we got killed because of that, and now we're in the midst of the second attempt to do that because uh, the hell, the House passed a bill. Um, that uh, basically just cuts Medicaid and uh, cuts a ton of taxes that mostly benefit higher earners, and like that was what was going to subsidize. Um, I think a lot of these various uh, gentlemen payments, yeah. and and so so the that's that's where we're at now. And what I and um, the Senate uh, has to then pass their own bill, and they're going to somehow reconcile it through some technicality. I don't think they're going to, by the way. So I think you're going to be. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, I think so too. Yeah, my, my my employment is hinging on on the outcome of this bill. So yeah, so <laughs> please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it's, it's yeah. So anyway, um, the Senate just to, to get caught up on this topic, like the Senate has now, as of like two days ago, they were hashing this stuff out behind closed doors, and uh, now they finally released a version of their bill that they're going to finally vote on. And it sucks. It's you know, it's just the same shit. It's just the, it's the same structure as Obamacare. No changes to the actual structure of the American healthcare industry. Just less money being spent on it from the government, which just means that it, a lot of people aren't going to have healthcare. Yeah. And uh, and they're going to they diminish access. So um, one of the things that they're doing or they're proposing to do uh, is, and by God's grace, is none of this will actually happen, and they'll fix Obamacare a different way. But um, one of the things they were doing was basically wanted to eliminate. They wanted to uh, cap Medicaid spending, which is not currently capped, and they want to make it a block grant, so they just give it to states to figure out how to spend it on people. And the thing that struck me as interesting about this was that there's this concept of a command economy and a free market, and the idea is – this is very baked into American conservatism – and the idea is that a command economy as seen in like the Soviet Union and other like centrally planned societies – doesn't work because there's no way that you can predict, you know, you, you just can't, you can't cr- artificially create an efficient market. You have to let some things get priced out and water has to find its level. There's too many uh, variables for any one entity to, to know ahead of time and stuff. So you just can't do it. 
So that includes setting price floors and stuff like that. It's just the, it's policy the free market just don't like. What's interesting though is that that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what the sort of Republican attempt to fix healthcare is, or it effectively comes out to. Because the idea that the idea is that you're going to replace. Um, I've heard uh, Scott Walker had an interesting uh, uh, phrase. That it was Medicaid is not supposed to be something you're on forever. It's a trampoline, not a hammock. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. a it's a good good branding. Yeah. yeah. But the idea is let's get you on. Everyone should be able to. Buy, everyone should be looking to buy their own health this, insurance. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get all worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because we can. I mean, that that obviously implies. Uh, really, Scott Walker, fight me right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basic questions about whether healthcare at all should be a commodity and it should not. Yeah. But. Um, you know, the idea is that, like, what, so how are we going to encourage that? We're Republicans. How are we going to encourage this process, that this transformation to happen? And basically the solution is just personal responsibility. We want everyone to start becoming better citizens, more responsible for their health. Don't buy avocado, even though avocado is really healthy for you. Yeah. But, I'll, you know, so that's, actually that's funny. Don't buy avocado and bread. <laughs> yeah. Well, you heard that there was that, like, yeah, some Australian guy. Yeah. Some, some real estate speculator who was just like, well, I buy a home because I didn't spend $18 on avocado toast. I went and made avocado toast that day. So I just fucking put, imprinted your finger facing the bread in, in the yeah. garden. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so, uh, you know, if they want this, like, virtuous behavior to, to spontaneously flow forth um the way to do it it's not going to happen that's not the way anything works just by cutting the payments made to medicaid medicaid is not going to get people to act differently it's just going to get people to get sicker and not have access to changing it and the idea that that will happen is exactly the biggest weakness of a command economy it's it's doing something with no uh backfilled logic there's no preparation to it and just saying something and hoping that that what your intended outcome yeah. happens yeah. after that. The way to do it is, if, I think it's totally reasonable to look at this, you know, the explosion of entitlement spending and say, like, we want to do something about this. What should we do? And the answer is, first of all, you have to set your priorities. Like, do we care about saving the government's money? Do we care about, you know, fewer Americans dying? Do we care about, you know, having a, a like, a baseline uh, quality of life? You know, what is the economic benefits of people not having to worry about, you know, getting in a car accident? And, um, and so, you know, start with that and then eventually build up, build up a plan that replaces Medicaid with something. It has to replace it with something. You can't just cut it out. And, uh, you know, the people that – it seems like this is a pretty common, common framework that's being utilized on the right is like, uh, you know, the, the idea of we want to increase – if we just cut taxes, economic activity yeah. is going to flow forth from it. Well, no, economic activity flows forth from, yeah, sure, eliminating really confiscatory taxes, but also – you know, investing in everything from like physical infrastructure to academia that like generates a lot of the stuff, uh, to you know, and bringing in immigrants that have you know supporting that uh, brain acquisition. You know, the magnet. There's there's so much stuff that goes into they're bringing in brains. <laughs> they're bringing in. They're bringing advanced degrees. I can't bring, understand what they're saying, but and some I assume are good people. Yeah. My, my, my point ultimately is just that, like the uh, the actual process of how you get from here to there, and where the, what there is is shared prosperity that's sustainable. You have to do a lot of work to get there. You have to lay a lot of groundwork, and uh, and, and and that's not that's not what just cutting stuff does. Well, that's actually a command economy. Approach. That's that's why it's, well, that Scott Walker line is such. Bullshit. Because the, the yeah okay I get that like if you want Medicaid if you truly wanted Medicaid to be a trampoline and not a, a, onto something else onto a better thing then you know what people like Medicaid because Medicaid is good because Medicaid is the thing where it's like hey I like I had problems or I had a disease and I couldn't have, didn't have the means to get fixed for it and I did and it was like pretty much no questions asked like straightforward people get treated and then talk to the people who. Uh, have benefited from Medicaid either in the pre, like in pre before ACA or after ACA. The, you, I've met several people who are even like, and these are people that are not just like like itinerant weirdos who are just taking advantage of government dollars and just going and getting like MRIs and like and shooting shooting up with like whatever drugs they'll get. They're just people that are like wanting to get coverage and like asking those people who went from Medicaid and trampoline off to Medicaid to like an employer and even like people that have. 
like work for employers and have like good insurance from like white collar employers. It's like if you go from Medicaid to that, you'd be like, this sucks. Like like the product that's offered by like wh- like whatever insurance company that is provided through, even if you get the best one, it's like they're garnishing like a good portion of your wages for a thing that's like not a great product. And they'll always, like they'll and the like people who work in medical billing for the, I shouldn't say blanket, but there's a lot of like shit that goes down in medical billing that it's just like. Like, people can't track and people don't understand. There's a lot of, like, dark corners. And then, like, what I've been saying about the whole time, where it's like, yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work in this free market, like, conservative Republican idea that, well, it's like, well, if we give people just ta- cut taxes and give them back their money, they can, like, vote with their wallet and get, like, the best health care. It's like, well, health care is not this thing that you're just going around. It's not a fucking MacBook or, like, a, a TV or any other, like, durable or just, like, or it's not even, like, a thing you know, a bottle of wine where you're like, where you're like, oh, okay, I'm only going to get the $10 bottle of wine or the $40 bottle of wine. Or like the thing, the, the infamous, whoever it was, the guy from Utah, I forget his name, who was like, well, you're just going to not have to buy a, a, a fancy new oh, Jason iPhone. Chavis. James Chavis. Where it's like, that's like, that's not how this works. It's like not a good, it's not like you can't, comparing an iPhone to... Yeah, no, it's, like, not, it's not a market product. And then the idea is like, okay, well, then if, yeah, if you truly want to do... If, and if you could find some way, I challenge them to do it. If you know Scott Walker, if you could figure out a way to make this privatized like market off of Medicaid, and that like people have, see an alternative, like the, like a visible alternative that will not cost them a good portion of their their wages and their wealth to like make sure that they're just a normal like a baseline level. I mean, I guess that's what we all have to agree on. It's like why don't we agree on that? Like let's try to reduce costs as much as we can wherever we can. And uh, and can people care that they like like people people can live a normal healthy life within a certain like boundary like as, assuming they you know like I mean like I, the stuff I do at work all the time is around like essentially like a lot of it's around like education essentially like educating people it's like hey like people like, like it's like as preventative care it's educating it's like hey did you know if you eat these foods or like do these drugs it's like it's not only having this effect on you like in your brain or whatever it's like having all these other like knock on kind of like health effects for you yeah. and if you just if you just tweak these things it'll cost the system less money and it'll co- like it'll cost you like a le- less time and like you're you'll you'll feel like a better person you know like, you know, like, like, like speaking of the education thing it, it's <laughs> it's kind of funny that like in an age this we're definitely as we have talked about before in an age of conspiracy theory right no, like no. It, there's the denigration of information has been nearly complete people don't know what to believe and speculation runs rampant about the way that the world actually works. It's funny that none of that touches how the fucking health industry works. Yeah. You know, if you're going to speculate about something, instead of speculating about, you know, like, Hillary's, you know, George Soros is paying people to show up somewhere. Hillary's speculate like, about why the American Medical Association control... It's a cartel. It's a cartel. And, you know, what it replaced and, like, the fact that, uh, you know, if you don't like government-subsidized health care, look at the fact... like. Ask then why is this having to fill in this uncatered to aspect of the market? And why is the market so failing in this area? You know, like it, and, and ask deeper questions. Like in other words, one of the really beneficial things about our political moment, I think, is that for as really stupid as it is in so many ways, it is actually also a genuine reckoning with pretty deep philosophical issues. This is what it looks like when. Uh, Gigantic half literate society wrestles with what should a social contract be? Right. What is you know yeah. what is the role of government and all this stuff? And so I like the fact that's being hashed out, and I like the fact that even even conspiracies, conspiracism and stuff, that hints at the fact that people are asking deeper questions. I, all that stuff is good, but the, for that impulse, that impulse could be put to so much better use if it was to actually try to interrogate why certain of these systems are the way they are. Yeah. And you, I think what you'd find is that like, Hey, Obamacare basically, uh, expanded, uh, a really flawed system just to cover more people. That was the only goal of it. It cost more. Well, more it should, if it had had the single payer option, I mean, the idea, I think might, there's not a more holistic solution would follow if you're able to dissect what was wrong with mm-hmm. better. That's more people should be concerned and, and like apply their, you know, low information outrage to that. Here, and well, here's what I think. I mean, well, and they should, and really, honestly, the, what in the universe that I thought we would be living in on November eighth, two thousand twenty sixteen, the only realistic solution to this was going to be 
Hillary Clinton was going to expand either the ages of Medicare. Medicare and Medicaid were slowly just going to creep into. And people would realize, they're like, oh, okay, this is actually better for me. Like, people on Medicare, the thing that, like, drives me nuts, like, all the people, and we talked about this last time, that drives me nuts about, like, all the people who are brainwashed by Fox News. And then, like, they're like, we got to take this away. Is that, like, I bet you 70% of those people, not on Medicaid, on Medi- are, are on Medicare. I know my grandparents, who are not poor people, are beneficiaries of Medicare. It's, it, it, a lot in, of people are on Medicare because they're fucking, their money runs right, out, and they're exactly, still alive. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, we, and that's one of them. Problems, but also one of the problems is that, like, so these people are voting against it, but they're a going to be dead soon, probably uh, sooner if the <laughs> if it runs out, and b they don't understand. I'm like, well, the reason why like younger people are advocating for the single payer system is because you're already on a single payer healthcare system, and like we're not. You like you know, like you don't you don't get that. Like you are covered. Like you don't like you are good. Like and we're not. Like so it's like like so we have nobody like. Like a single payer system, which it, Medicare is, and, and you say that there was some uh, conservative like pundit who uh, she had like she needed she had had a long trail of fart tweets about um, <laughs> about uh, you know how personal responsibility and we shouldn't be paying for poor people is, and then she actually needed a surgery for something. She like oh. they diagnosed something, so then she went on WeSearcher, which is. Charles Johnson's uh, the fucking worst scum that uh, this country's produced. Uh, he has a site called Researcher, which is like basically a place where you can crowdfund your bullshit. Like, and, like, oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, yeah, I did hear about this. And uh, yeah, and now she's looking for donations that so she can get. It's like, do you not understand the irony of this? Like, yeah. This is exactly the problem. Yeah. No, of course, if they understood irony, they would not be. They would not be these semi-semi like in the departed. Like they, they wouldn't be Puerto Ricans <laughs> if they knew what was going on. Yeah, um, yeah. It drives me nuts, and it's just like it's just like thing that is like it's blatantly like a lot of it is I think steeped in I don't know if it's you know it's like classism and racism and just like and just outright dumbassness of people and like people not understanding dumb attitude, d- yeah. dumb attitude of people that they just don't understand. And uh, like I guess uh, to put about. Uh, I guess I forgot what I was gonna say. Like to put a button, to put a button on that, like I, I think I'll let here you, you, while you collect your thoughts, I'll just offer like a prediction for what I think is gonna happen. And I am pretty much out of the prediction game ever since I thought Hillary was gonna win. Yeah, but um, I think it's not gonna pass. I think that it's it's really emboldening to see uh, like an actual moderate, like sen- sensible wing of the Republican establishment. Yeah. Like the guy, the guy from Nevada, who um, yeah, and and, and uh, like Olympia Snow and like Susan Collins. And well, Olympia like, Snow voted for Affordable Care Act. She was like one of the Republicans. Oh, really? Like she was one of the ones who was like the vote. I think, if I remember correctly, she was one of the ones who like made it possible. Like they still needed a coalition of Republicans, like or a small number, like when, even when they had the supermajority. Uh, the I, I read an interview with Lisa Murkowski, where she seemed really smart and like on top of it. She's like, I don't know what I'm even voting on, and, and anything that has these cuts, I'm not going to vote for. Yeah. And, you know, some of it comes down to the cynical interpretation of democracy, which is that you just got to keep giving people stuff. And, uh, or, you know, I heard that, like, you know, conservatives say when they pass the ACA, you know, once you pass this, you can never take this away because people never like to have stuff taken away. Of course, my answer is, like, well, they shouldn't have to have asked for and beg for right. health care. Yeah, exactly. But it is true. And so, you know, it kind of feels sort of dirty to apply basically the most cynical interpretation of democracy uh, to this problem as a solution, like uh, uh, these, at least there's some politicians that aren't going to want to take away the free stuff from their constituents, you know, because you want politicians that are willing to take away the free stuff from their constituents. But in this case, they've got to just go. Like, there needs to be more political will put towards the effort of actually going and fixing like, the structure of American healthcare. At least get the incentives in line with what they should be. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's probably like, change the structure of yeah. how payments happen. I think that's the thing that people don't understand. It's like, why do we people like lose their minds about whether it's a government solution or like a, some kind of miracle free market solution that people dream of, and Republicans in particular, or neoliberals or whoever you want, like think that this is going to happen, uh, like. If you propose that and get it right, then great. But if, as long as you agree that like. Like there's a certain we want if we if the goal is we want to reduce out costs and have people feel better then like that's what it should be but I think like there's no message it's just like I don't know and then in the words of the conservatives who are like you can't give people stuff well to paraphrase Grandpa Simpson after getting asked for a quarter by a bum he said everybody wants something for nothing and then he walks into a social security office and says I'm old give me give me give me <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so let's move on to the. I think this is the fi- the final topic we're we're talking about. Um, our our good friend Je- Jeffrey Bezos. Jeff Bezos, who's always listening because we have an Alexa in this home, and Jeff Bezos is getting. Yeah, we've uh, pink. We've activated something. It's like also in the Simpsons when uh, Lisa buys a copy of Al Gore's book and uh, <laughs> yeah. it, like triggers an alarm in the uh, in the White House. Like, I shall. <laughs> so many good times. <laughs> Mr. Vice President, somebody bought a copy of your book. Well, the best setup to that, too, in, in line with one of our themes like conspiracy theories, is that they scanned Bart's book, which is like a UFO book. So you think that's like what's going to actually like t- trigger off like <laughs> yeah. a thing? Like this whole like like labyrinth of like the electronic signal that it just goes to the yeah. White House and then it's just it's like Mr. Vice President, somebody bought a copy of your book. And, he, and it's like, and then he just puts on the record. Celebrate, celebrate the times. I shall. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, Jeff Bezos, uh, what's up? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, so this week was, it was announced that, uh, Amazon's gonna buy, buy Whole Foods, which is gonna crazy. Gonna get a I drone like, strike or, <laughs> um, just... A drone strike of kale. The kale yeah, and, just, uh, yeah. uh, like a, a recipe for, like, you know, uh, organic risotto that I, I can make. Yeah. We did, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but, um, the thing that I was, um, you know, it, it was funny hearing that. I don't know. We're, we're in such a weird corporate society, you know. Like it's the, 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 these institutions are are so grand and big, and the idea that one could just get eaten by another one, you know, we have no sense of perspective. Like Whole Foods yeah. seems to me as a as a normal little guy walking around the street, like like this huge institution. Yeah, it's a national. It's, an it's, every it's a it's major a totem of, a, of an entire way of life, and the idea that it is that much smaller than Amazon is just like. I mean, I know it's obviously true, but it's just. Which goes to show how little scale, sense of scale we have when we're going about our daily life. Yeah. Anyway, the thing that I, I, I kind of came to mind when I was thinking about this was um, one of the big things that Amazon is doing is trying, like, their main agenda item right now is to push people to be on Prime. And Amazon Prime is an interesting thing because Amazon itself is a loss leader in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. a lot of, I, I remember reading a Matt Iglesias article from like two years ago, which was basically saying that, um, so far, like, is Amazon ever going to turn a profit? Like, yeah, their uh, margins are, like, razor thin. Like, and, really, they, yeah. and they also consistently lose money, but they're burning money because they're trying to you know, continue building this, basically, their, their you know, omni-retailer yeah. and uh, Panopticon. And so, um, and what he was saying was, like, you know, as of now, like, Amazon is basically just a charitable gift given by the investor class on this consumer society, you know, because it, they've oh, never gotten anything yeah, from it. yeah. And, but, you know, we've seen various stages of doubting Jeff Bezos before, and he's always come out, and now it's clear that this is going to be the, probably the main thing that decides what shopping and, like, consumerization is like in the future. And critical to that is this concept of Prime. So a lot of the things that, that, that Amazon does and offers are only available through Prime. And um, there's... Um, uh, they, they, you can get a student loan on Prime right now. Really? Yeah. I'm a Prime customer. Are you? Yeah. Do you want to get refinance my loan for me? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, what's the rate? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's, yeah. a, there's, a, you know, there's access to the content and stuff like that. You can get... Well, yeah. yeah I, that's why I mean, I'm, not to interrupt your point, but I, I agree with you. Oh, I guess this is actually... Um, I'm hoping I'm not jumping the gun on you here, but I had this... Meg and I had this discussion earlier this week where... Like it was announced that Walmart was buying Bonobos and and Amazon was buying Whole Foods in the same week, and I was like, you know, here's the thing, and here's the difference, and actually it makes me question myself. I don't go to Walmart. I live in Brooklyn. I don't even know there might be a Walmart nearby, but I don't know. Like I've never, but like every time I've been in a Walmart, or like I've been mad about it. Like I, it's like it's just this like warehouse, like that you know whether we're like driving in between states and we just like Walmart is literally the only store because it's driven out everything else. So I'm like mad about it and like the you know the up, upper middle upper class person, upper middle class white person that lives in you know Park Slope, Brooklyn is like, "Oh, these like these companies, they don't pay for health care for their employees and all that stuff." And I go on the normal like rent and it's like it's also just a terrible place it just sucks so like you go there and it's like a warehouse <laughs> the people are so ugly yeah yes and not everybody I'm sure there's some they should have like a like a Walmart like beauty patch they do there is uh, like beauties of Walmart's a Tumblr um, and uh, but like you go in there and it's just like all this stuff's garbage it's like just like chintzy kind of stuff that's like cheap the difference is that like why uh, but I know Amazon also probably has like equally or uh, at least similarly questionable business practices and and there are businesses that like Walmart has, but I justify Amazon because I'm like, well, Amazon impartially 
has like made my material consumer life a little bit easier. Like I can literally like buy stuff with Amazon Prime. I'm just like I hit like two buttons and like things that I like I, I that were used to be like a chore that would you know add it up would take up good portions of my of my week and now I can just sit around and fart around and have a podcast with you. <laughs> you know, and this watch podcast it. time. Yeah, you're, you, this was time carved out only because you don't have to go shopping for toilet paper. Anymore. Exactly. No, I, I, I can literally hit, I can literally hit a button. You have a tie button? No, we have the you not the tie button, we have the, the bouncy no. button. Yeah. Dare I press it in order to bounce for you? Meg, did we did we order the paper towels yet? Uh, I can I press it? <laughs> did you did you do it? No, Alright, yeah do it. Ah! <laughs> so now they're, 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 we needed paper towels, and now I, we just pressed with the push of a button the, a, a box of paper towels will be here on Tuesday. And That's uh, so. Yeah, uh, okay. Anyway, the, so let me just the point. The, the idea is that um, so Prime, everything centers on Prime. And Amazon's goal is increasingly to funnel people towards Prime, and as it seeks to like take over our world and society and eventually planet. Um, why is it that this thing is like their main, the, the, this prime ship is the main thing they keep trying to drive people to? And the idea that I had is like, it, I think it's because what people really crave and the, the way to, to truly insinuate into a society is to offer membership in something. Hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, Facebook is the biggest, basically the biggest institution that exists in the world. Like a seventh of the species. President, here's that. to President Zuckerberg, 2020. <laughs> hey, I think, I think I'd probably vote for him. Yeah. But, um, anyway, I mean, like, it depends on who's running. If it's another, you know, pile of farts and balloons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yes, definitely. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, F- Facebook is, you're part of a community. You, you're someone who is on Facebook, uh. I think that there's a lot of examples of the like if you're trying to offer if you're trying to you know compel someone to act in a consumer way you would offer a lower price or you can ac- make access easier or something you know but if you really want to start changing the way people view your entire company as a lifestyle choice the way to do that is to offer human beings membership in something that's what Prime is Interesting. and so it's not enough that like. That's what Walmart does. Walmart is better. I think at Walmart's a little bit cheaper, and Walmart supposedly still has better logistics. But what they don't have is a desirable membership. And Amazon is doing everything they can to make it so that once you're on the Amazon train, it's a desirable thing. You get all these benefits from it, and that's now a, a piece of your identity that is linked to your consumer behavior. And that's how they're going to like go from just being an easy way to get paper towels to like a way you live. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess so. I think like, it definitely has affected my lifestyle, and I, like maybe it's membership. I, I I didn't realize. I don't know whether Walmart or Amazon has the better logistics. I think Walmart uh, does, right? Well, but like I mean, I, I think I, I I think that like, um, you know, even if they do. So how is that possible? Because like Amazon like can get me stuff maybe a little bit more expensively, but like I can get stuff so fast. I can't order if I ordered something on Walmart. I wouldn't like. I know, but I think Amazon. Pays a lot to get stuff like last mile uh, and okay. Walmart. Oh, well, Amazon can't get stuff around the country as easily. Oh, uh, okay. Like I think that Amazon is really good at like it's crushing. Probably like well, the, uh, that's the difference. It's like I mean, the, I think maybe if we were speculating on like what the the speculation on like the types of voters that are going to define like the next election is going to be like the divide will be along like Walmart customers versus Amazon Prime members. Uh, that's I, a that's yeah. a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, yeah. You know that reminds me of that's like the global north versus the global south. Have you ever heard that term? Uh, well, it's basically like the develop like third world is I guess right. not not kosher anymore. So. Yeah. Um, I wonder if the word kosher is kosher anymore. Like, just say that that's okay. I mean, if you have a kosher hot dog, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that maybe is the only appropriate way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, the global north is, like, you know, all the industrialized societies, and then generally all the poorest societies in the world are, like, in like, south of that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's an, it's a convenient way to, to categorize the, the global society, and maybe the most convenient way to categorize our society is Walmart versus AP. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, uh, and maybe like mem- membership. I guess like we all do seek to be members, and like I, I guess I the difference. My only argument with you there is that like I don't. I like I'm not I'm not like I guess I am a proud member in the sense that I just told you, and then like I'm like I'm like I'm like I'm not rooting for the Amazon Prime team. It's like if another business similar to Amazon, if Walmart came along and offered the services that Amazon Prime offers me right now, 
I would just switch sides. You know, yeah, totally. Like, I, mean, I, you know, I'm like whoever can get the who can ever get my consumer garbage to me faster. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's who I'm gonna be uh, a fan of. Fair enough. I mean, I think that it, you know it, it lowers a barrier to you shopping with them for sure. So um, you know, it makes it makes that aspect a little easier. I mean, we did just geek out over your bounty. I know, you just pressed a button, and now, uh, two days from now, I will have some fresh Bounty Paper Towels. This episode also brought to you by Bounty Paper Towels, and our good friends at True Brain. True Brain, the nootropics. The uh, nootropics, the... No, 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 Yeah. We'll uh, work on the, the tagline. Don't worry. No, 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 it's... Uh, come on, I'm just trying to get this up. We can maybe cut this out and post, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, so you guys, who that? That's their bounty. Who's got? Is that? Did the bounty already come? Meg, who's that? I think it's probably Amazon of the week. Oh, oh, that is. I forgot. I ordered something on Amazon on Friday for the dog, and now it's here right now. Wow! <laughs> got the yeah. <laughs> so Amazon was like, "Shit, we got to get the stuff to him." <laughs> oh my goodness, that is perfect. Uh, oh, that would have been perfect. We should only cut it, that in with celebrate good times. That would be the perfect ending. Oh, here we go. And on that note, folks. I We're happy about Amazon's uh, insane, insane coverage of our planet. <laughs> so, all hail future over. I, for one, welcome our Jeff Bezos overlord. Uh, Lenny, not so much, but one day he will be a prime member when I help him refinance his student loans. Or I just won't exist anymore. Or we'll just, it'll just get drone him. I will up. have been erased. Yeah. Right, well, anyway, uh, this has been Infinity License uh, for this episode two. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Pizzano. Lenny and Franco, I feel much more knowing. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're going to go maybe drink a beer and watch the Mets game. Have a good one. Let's celebrate. I shall. <laughs> <laughs>